Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, and more importantly, welcome back, Giants fans, to another episode of the Say Hey Podcast, the podcast that is home to all things Giants baseball. Folks, before we dive into today's show, I would like to take a moment to let you know that you can find the Say Hey Podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you like what you're hearing, then don't be afraid to subscribe. And if you really like the show, then make sure to leave a review. But most importantly, make sure to spread the word. With that being said, let's dive right in. Alright everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Say Hey Podcast, episode 32. I'm your host today, James Donahue, as I am for every show. Hopefully that's not a deal breaker for you. And today, folks, we have another great episode for you. Today we are going to be talking about the latest news on Donovan Solano and Reyes Maranta and their contract. I'll also be discussing the recent signing of pitcher Alex Wood. And then I'm going to talk about five players on the Giants who I think are going to have a great 2021 season based on how well they play during the second half of last year's season. So make sure you stick around to the very end of the show so you can stay as informed as possible. All right, let's go ahead and get right into it. The Giants were able to come to terms with uh, relief pitcher Reyes Maranta, and they were able to settle for a contract worth $695,000, and they're going to be avoiding arbitration, which is always a great thing. But another reason why this is great is because Reyes Maranta, in my opinion, is a strong candidate to be a closer for the Giants in 2021, and the Giants are going to be paying him an extremely cheap price to do so. Donovan Solano. All right, it's going to be a little different story here. The San Francisco Giants and Donovan Solano did not meet an agreement. Solano filed for $3.9 million, and the Giants countered with $3.25 million. So what happens now? Well, the Giants now have to go to an arbitration hearing and give reasons why Solano deserves less money, which is an extremely awkward situation, not fun at all. I was really looking forward to both of these meetings beginning and ending on Friday because, in my opinion, the quicker the Giants can figure out how much money they're going to be paying these two players, the quicker they will understand how much they can spend in free agency. But, of course, that doesn't seem to be stopping the Giants in free agency because they also, since the last time we talked, signed left-handed pitcher, former Dodger Alex Wood. That's right, the Giants have signed Alex Wood to a one-year deal worth $3 million, but he can also earn an additional $3 million in performance incentives. In 2020, Alex Wood was top 10 in the league in suppressing hard contact, which is how he finds success on the field. He's a lefty with a hard-breaking curve and an average velocity fastball, but still can hit 94 and 95 occasionally. But believe it or not, there's actually a place in this league for pitchers who do not throw 100 miles per hour. Last year, balls hit with an exit velocity of 95 plus miles per hour produced a batting average of 510. However, Wood's opponents could only produce an average exit velocity of 86.3 miles per hour. So basically, to sum it all up, what I'm trying to say in layman's terms is that balls that are hit extremely hard usually warrant positive results on the field for the batter. And opposing hitters don't hit the ball hard when Wood is on the mound. So this is perfect. 
I mentioned this in episode 29 of the podcast, but during Wood's final three outings of the 2020 postseason, which came during in the NLCS Game 3 and also the World Series in Game 2 and Game 6. In those three outings, Alex Wood pitched five straight scoreless innings while striking out seven batters. He finished out his season in dominating fashion, and I think it was actually a huge selling point for Farhan Zaidi and the Giants' front office. In 2015, when Farhan was the general manager of the Dodgers, he actually went out and acquired Alex Wood from the Braves in a three-team deal that involved 13 different players. But of course, this time around, acquiring Wood was much simpler. Farhan has actually already gone on on to say, quote, he pitched incredibly well in the playoffs, including in the World Series. For me, watching him pitch in the playoffs was really reminiscent of when I've seen him at his best. Zaidi goes on to say, as a group, we just felt like the trend line from him from a health and performance standpoint and the way he finished the year, we have a lot of optimism that he can carry that into the 2021 season and be a really important part of our rotation next year, end quote. Now, when Farhan talked about reminiscing about when Wood was at his best, he's referring to 2017 season when Wood produced an ERA of 2.72 and a record of 16-3 as a starting pitcher for the Dodgers. He hasn't quite been able to return to that form in years like 2018 and 2019, but that was largely due to nagging injuries. However, during the 2020 postseason, as I just mentioned, he showed no signs of struggling by way of the injury. Alex Wood at this point in time is the only lefty in the Giants starting rotation and he joins the company of Kevin Gosman, Anthony Desclafani, Johnny Cueto, and either Logan Webb or Tyler Beatty, depending on how the season ends up shaping out. In my opinion, this won't be the final addition to the rotation in free agency this offseason because Farhan has already alluded to the fact that he would really enjoy depth to the rotation. He's actually stated that having seven to eight starting pitchers on their roster would be extremely beneficial to the team's longevity throughout the season. Now, I'm not saying that's what the Giants are going to do. All I'm saying is that, in my opinion, it doesn't seem like the Giants are content. If you're curious about how I feel about this signing, I will quickly answer by saying I'm really happy with this move. It not only gives the Giants a reliable lefty arm in the rotation, but Wood is also a pitcher who has found success when he's perfectly healthy, and I think it showed during the postseason. He's a player who is used to performing on the biggest stage, and he has excelled in those situations. Adding that type of experience to your rotation is always beneficial no matter how you look at it. Look, at the end of the day, I've already said it, I think Alex Wood is extremely reliable. And believe it or not, that's exactly what the Giants needed a lot of the times during the 2020 season. Not only did they need pitchers that were healthy, they just needed pitchers that were reliable on the field. Alright, some other news that I will quickly mention is that the Giants signed 34 international prospects on Friday. That's right, 34. 19 from Venezuela, 11 from the Dominican Republic, 1 from Colombia, 1 from Curacao, 1 from Mexico, and 1 from Panama. Don't worry, I will not dive into all those players now. But who knows, maybe in the future when I start hearing more information on how they are developing, I'll start to mention and talk about them more and more. All right, everybody, that is going to be all for the news and notes from around our team segment. Now I'm going to be moving on to second half performances that I'm buying into from players who I personally believe are going to have a fantastic 2021 season. But first... If this is your first time listening to the podcast, I just want to say thank you so much for your support because it truly means the world. 
If you're wondering what I talked about last week, I'll give you the quick Spark Notes version. I first broke down the Sam Coonrod trade, and I explained how the Giants might actually be better off without him. I then went on to talk about what I personally believe the Giants should leave in the year 2020, and then I broke down four players who I thought would actually be great fits for the Giants if they went out and made a trade, including a trade for one of the biggest names in baseball. That's right, Bryce Harper. So if any of that sounds interesting to you, please hit the pause button on this episode and go back and listen to episode 31, then come right back here once you're all caught up. All right, great. So today, before we switch topics from last week, I want to quickly mention another player who I actually believe would be the perfect fit for the Giants. For all of you who are regular listeners to the show and for whoever listened to last week's show, I talked about how I don't particularly expect the Giants to make a trade simply because of the rebuilding stage they are in, but the whole segment revolved around the idea of what if. What if the Giants made a trade, despite the current stage they are in? And then I went on to list four players who I believe would be great fits financially, but also great fits because they meet a specific need the Giants are looking for. So with that being said, I apologize to you all because as soon as I posted last week's episode, I completely forgot about a player who would fit in better than all other names I mentioned. This player would not be a what-if situation. Actually, this player would be an instant plug-and-play type of player who could help the Giants win games right away, and he would be a great investment for the future as well. This player is a left-handed pitcher who plays for the Baltimore Orioles by the name of John Means. In 2019, Means was a 26-year-old rookie who pitched 31 games and made 27 starts for the Orioles. He finished the season with a 3.60 ERA and struck out 121 batters in 155 innings pitched. The performance was good enough to earn him a spot on the All-Star team, and again, this was his rookie year. I'm not sure what it is about the Orioles organization burying their top talent for years, but like Mike Yastrzemski, Means also spent a considerable amount of time in the minors, and once he finally arrived, he was able to show the organization that he plays for why they drafted him. However, 2020 was not as glamorous as the year before. Means finished last season with a 4.53 ERA, and the start of the season was not pretty. During his first start of the 2020 season, Means only went 2.1 innings and gave up 5 earned runs on only 2 hits. Yikes. I don't even know how you do that, but it definitely hurts my brain trying to think about it. Anyways, Means continued to struggle throughout the season and did not pitch into the sixth inning until the month of September. I know what you're thinking. James, why the hell are we talking about this guy? Excellent question. I'm glad you asked, and here's why. Despite Means having a higher ERA in 2020, his strikeout rate increased, his walk rate decreased, and almost no one in the league gained more velocity than he did. He only pitched one game in 2018, and his fastball velocity sat at 90.1 miles per hour. In 2019, his average fastball velocity was 91.7 miles per hour. And last year, in his first outing of 2020, somehow his fastball was touching 96.5 miles per hour as he was blowing a high fastball past Gary Sanchez before eventually setting in at 93.8 miles per hour on the year. So another question you might be asking is, okay, James, that's cool. But if all these stats are so promising, then how come he still finished the season with a higher ERA? Wow, you guys have plenty of great questions today. I love it. And the answer to your question is that Means kind of dealt with situations that should not necessarily have happened on and off the field. On the field, Means surrendered an unusual amount of home runs for the amount of starts he had in 2020. 
Or in other words, he gave up some home runs that might have been flukes. For example, by using StatCast, we can see how many other ballparks that same ball would have been hit out of, accounting for differences such as wall height and distance. Now, before I go any further, there were plenty of home runs that were clearly home runs. No doubters in every stadium. But also, there was a home run he gave up at Yankee Stadium that was only projected to be a home run at Yankee Stadium. No other ballpark. The exit velocity and the launch angle of the home run suggested that the ball hit could only produce a batting average of just 190. But somehow, the soft line drive made it over the right field wall at Yankee Stadium. Now, when it came to instances off the field, Means actually missed his opening day start due to, quote, dead arm. I'm not really sure what that entails medically, but that's what the reporters were using. Anyways, then he got lit up by the Yankees in his first start of the season, and then Means made another start after that, and he was actually decent. He went four and two-thirds innings while only giving up one earned run, but he then missed the next two weeks traveling to be with his family after his dad passed away. Which, on top of all that, additional quarantine protocol time was required upon his return. However, the craziest thing happened when he did come back. If you look at his last four starts of the season, you would think you were looking at games thrown by a Cy Young contender. Against the Mets, he went six innings, only one earned run, struck out five, and only walked one. Next start, against the Yankees, he went six innings again, only gave up one earned run, struck out four, and walked one. Next start after that, he went 5.2 innings against the Rays, only gave up one earned run, struck out 12, and walked zero. And then the last start of his season, he went six innings, only gave up one earned run again, struck out nine, and walked one again. In those four starts, he produced an ERA of 1.52, and opposing hitters can only produce a 146 batting average against him. And he struck out a total of 30 batters during those 23.2 innings pitched. I think obviously a huge factor for Means this season was getting mentally right after going through such a tragic moment in his life, I'm referring to his dad, and finally setting down and having some consistency in his schedule. There were no more flukes when it came to the end of Means' 2020 season, and once they were all out of the way, he completely dominated. But the best part about Means is that he's cheap, and it's not even a joke how cheap he is. Means will not be a free agent until 2025. But right now, he's only getting paid $580,000 a year. That's right, the man is 27 years old and he's still on his rookie contract. I'm all in on John Means because of the underlying stats that actually project him performing so much better than he should have. And I think the Giants could work out a deal that doesn't drain the farm system because of the fact that Means might still have a little bit more to prove. But he's a lefty, he throws gas... His pitches have great spin, and like I said, I'm all in because of how well he performed during the second half. And speaking of second half performances of the 2020 season, there are some players on the Giants I'm also all in on them having a great 2021 season because of how well they played during the second half of the 2020 season. Alright, so the first player on this list is Kayla Berger. I've mentioned this before on the show, but if you look at his ERA on the year, you'll see a 4.03 ERA. However, from August 16th to the conclusion of the season, he made 16 more relief appearances. And his ERA? That's zero. That's right. Every time Berger stepped on the mound during the rest of the season, he did not give up a single run, and he struck out 14 batters and 14.1 innings pitched. And opposing hitters could only produce a 143 batting average against him. The rookie left-handed reliever was absolutely dominant, and he did it by throwing his fastball for the majority of the time. 
Berger's fastball sits around 94 miles per hour, but the spin on that pitch makes it incredibly hard for opposing hitters to make quality contact. He threw his fastball 75% of the time in 2020, and opposing hitters can only produce a 214 batting average against that pitch. I'm sure towards the middle of the season to the end, the scouting reports opposing hitters received about Berger was that he threw his fastball the majority of the time, and even then, batters still could not hit that pitch. When it comes to the upcoming season, I think improving his 2020 ERA will be effortless considering how dialed in he was during the second half of that season. Another player who I think will have a better 2021 season considering how well they played during the second half is Sean Anderson, friend of the podcast. Sean Anderson finished the 2020 season with an ERA of 3.52, which is absolutely fantastic. I take that every single day of the week, especially when at one point during the season, Anderson's ERA got as high as 6.75. Anderson is a freaking grinder because at one point during the season, he got sent down to the alternate training site. And as soon as he came back to the team in September, the man absolutely dominated. Anderson had five different relief appearances in that month of September for a total of five innings pitched. During those five different outings, he faced some of the best offenses in the entire league. He faced the Oakland A's twice. He faced Colorado, and then he faced the Padres twice as well. Holy hell, talk about a nightmare for an opposing pitcher. But guess what he did? He gave up zero earned runs and struck out seven batters during those five innings. He only gave up two hits and one walk. I don't know what the hell happened at that alternate training site, but whatever it was, it helped for sure. In episode 22 of the Say Hey podcast, Sean Anderson explained to me that it was probably about getting his mindset right and trying to work on getting back to the way he was pitching during the start of the season. I'm so excited to see Anderson get back on the mound, mowing down the competition, especially with his slider-fastball combination. I mentioned in previous episodes that the right side of the bullpen has become completely solidified, and Anderson is a huge reason why. Alright, moving on to another name on the Giants. That's going to be Brandon Belt. Now, this might seem obvious, but actually during his first 14 games of the 2020 season, after coming back from injury... Belt struck out 17 times during those games and can only produce a batting average of 128. However, fast forward to the end of the season and Belt was well on his way on becoming an MVP candidate over the course of a full-length season. When you look at his 2020 stat line, you'll see a 309 batting average and a 591 slugging percentage, which is absolutely fantastic. But some other stats that stand out to me are his 16.8 walk percentage, which ranked in the top 3% of the league, and he was also in the top 4% of the league and the quality of contact he was making with the baseball. And on top of all that, Belt had quite the ironic 2020 season, because although his 7-year double-digit home run streak came to an end in 2020, he was still on pace to hit the most home runs of his entire career. I truly can't rave enough about the type of season Brandon Belt had, so the last thing I'll say is this. During his last 30 games of the 60-game season, he produced a 356 batting average and a 700 slugging percentage. I'm not necessarily saying that type of pace is sustainable. All I'm saying is that I believe he'll be able to pick right back up from where he left off, especially since now he won't be dealing with bone spurs in his right heel. While skeptics will say that this past season was a fluke for Belt, I actually tend to lean more on the optimistic side because the quality of contact he was making. I understand picking out things such as fluke home runs to help bolster a player's numbers, but in my opinion, 
you can't point out a player who gets on base by the way of the walk as often as, as Belt did in 2020 and combine that with how well he was hitting the baseball and say his performance was a fluke. Something that will be interesting to watch is if Belt continues to hit this good, will the Giants re-sign him during the 2021-2022 offseason? Because this is the last year of his contract along with Crawford. I'd love to see if both parties could figure something out at the end of the season, but we'll just have to wait and see on that. Another player whose 2021 season I'm optimistic about is Wilmer Flores. Flores led the team in home runs with 12, but it'll definitely be interesting to see who leads the team in that category next season, because in my opinion, the Giants have four players on their current roster who can hit at least 25 home runs. But anyway, along with supplying power for the team, Flores also produced a 297 batting average at Oracle Park, which is especially assuring considering that Flores' contract has been the only multi-year contract signed over the past two off-seasons. Wilmer was on pace to hit 36 home runs over the course of a full-length season, and although I'm not saying that that number is guaranteed in 2021, I'm still optimistic that he'll be able to continue to supply much-needed power in this lineup. If you break down his 2020 season, there is something very important to notice, and it's also why he made this list. During his first 13 games, he produced a 320 batting average, he hit 3 home runs, and 8 RBIs. His next 13 games, he produced a 292 batting average, hit 4 home runs, and 11 RBIs. However, over the next 24 games, he only produced a 210 batting average, only hit 2 home runs, and 6 RBIs. Now I know what you're thinking. James, it looks like he's trending downward as the season progresses. And yes, even though I agree with you, it is also important to look at his last five games of the regular season. During those games, he produced a 316 batting average and hit three home runs in those five games. Now what am I saying? Well, if Wilmer didn't do what he did during those last five games, then I would be more concerned about how well he might perform during the upcoming season. However, considering that he was arguably the most productive bat against one of the best teams in baseball at the end of the season, that leads me to believe that even though he won't be able to maintain the highest batting average on this team, he will still be able to supply consistent power in the middle of the Giants roster. All right, before we talk about the last player on this list, folks, I just want to kindly remind all of you that you can find the Say Hey podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and you can also leave a rating and a review if you feel so inclined on Apple Podcasts. Now, at this time, I'm currently only posting once a week, every Tuesday, but once the season gets closer to us, I will be posting twice a week. So make sure you stay tuned for that. All right, the last player on this list is Alex Dickerson. Now, Dickerson is actually making a strong case for becoming my favorite player on this team. The majority of the league does not know who he is or where he came from, but he just mashes baseball so effortlessly. Similarly to Brandon Belt, Dickerson was also making unbelievable contact with the baseball. He finished the 2020 season with a 298 batting average, hit 10 home runs, and 27 RBIs. He was on pace to reach 32 home runs and 85 RBIs over a full-length season, but what's even more impressive was that he produced a 400 batting average in the month of September. The argument of, he was just on a hot streak, or if he's this good, then why hasn't he done this before? Just doesn't really hold weight because of how well he played in a Giants uniform in 2019 as well. During the 2019 season, the Giants went out and traded a player by the name of Franklin Van Gerp, no idea who, who that is, to the Padres for Dickerson, and as soon as Dickerson came to San Francisco, he was able to contribute offensively almost instantaneously. He produced a 375 batting average in his first 10 career games as a Giant, 
and he went on to hit a batting average of 393 with four home runs in the month of July. In my opinion, there is a direct correlation between the lack of playing time he was receiving in San Diego and his lack of production on the field. To be fair, though, the Padres didn't necessarily need him, so I'm sure when the opportunity to trade him was presented, there wasn't much hesitancy from that side of the deal. Since then, Dickerson has become one of the most productive bats in the Giants lineup, especially from the left side of the plate, which only helps the Giants' depth and the fluidity of their lineup as a whole. I personally cannot wait to see Dickerson spray baseballs all over the field, and I also can't wait to see these five players build on their second-half performances during the 2021 season. All right, everybody, that is going to be all for today's show, episode 32 of the Say Hey Podcast. Again, if this is your first time listening to the show, I just want to express my gratitude and say thank you so much for stopping by. Hopefully you heard something that was intriguing enough for you to come back, but if not, Again, thank you so much for stopping by. And to the consistent listeners of this show who have supported it since the very beginning, I also want to give a moment of gratitude to you as well. Your support is truly overwhelming. Thank you so much, everybody. Please continue to stay safe out there. Please continue to be smart out there. And of course, go Giants.